How's it going? I have to admit to you, I, I just flew in late last night from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. There's a little bit of jet lag going on, I'm not going to lie to you. So we'll see how this goes. I was there to, to speak uh, to a, a group of pastors in Tennessee that were having their pastor's retreat, and they asked me if I would come out and speak to them <clears throat> about the topic of resilience. And I thought, well, that's an interesting topic. The ministerial director, his name was Keith, he had called me weeks ago, months ago, and started talking to me about, you know, uh, would you, would you, a lot of our pastors are going through stuff, would you, would you, would you speak about this topic? And uh, I'm not sure I've ever actually done a series on resilience, so I was a little trying to, you know, trying to figure out what, what to do. And so, uh, but my adventure began Monday morning with a four-hour delay. Yeah, I love it, which caused me to miss my second leg. And then I barely made it to Nashville in time to get to the rental car that evening, late that night. And then I was supposed to drive about an hour and 20 minutes at Indian Creek Camp in Tennessee. And yes, yes, the, it's, it was just like it sounds. The closer I got to the camp, the darker the roads got. I am trying to follow Google Maps, which suddenly dies on me because I've gone into a section, there is no signal. Uh, I'm trying to text and communicate to Pastor Keith, but of course he wasn't receiving the text because there's no signal at the camp. So now I'm driving through the backwards of Tennessee, and, and I'm, I, of course I have to have my brights on most of the times, and then turn them off, as once every 15 minutes I would see another car coming from the other way, thinking, okay, there is life over there somewhere, you know? And I would see these deer crossing signs. They're all over the place. And sometimes I would look, to the side, and all I would see was like bright little beady eyes. And then about every mile or two, blood splatter. And I'm like, this is gonna be this is gonna be really tough. And I'm driving there. Meanwhile, I'm thinking about the theme, you know, I'm thinking about resilience. What are they facing? What's going on in their lives? I finally get to the camp. There's a chapel with a light on. I figure that's it. I'm going, I'm going right there. I, I, I get there. It must have been about midnight. And as I go in the chapel, chapel I, I notice there's, there's a group of pastors there. And, and uh, Pastor Keith comes out. And as he's coming out, he is crying. He's taking off his glasses. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so embarrassed. I'm going, how bad is the situation here? Like, what am I getting into, right? This is terrible. And then he finally blurted out, we just finished watching The Overcomers. <laughs> Such a great movie, you know. So he was crying because of the movie. Whew. And then he finally said the words, 
I am so glad you're here, and I'm so glad you made it safe. And then he said exactly these words, I was confident that you would be here. I had no doubt. That's pretty good, because I wasn't as confident as he was. Which takes us to the verse we're going to begin with this morning. It says, now faith is what? The confidence in what we what? Hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. I love that. I love that. The ancients. Who were these ancients? Why, 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 did, why was their faith so commendable? As Pastor Fred mentioned, we're starting this new series called By Faith, which we're going to be going all through March with this. This is a good series, by the way, to invite, invite your neighbors and friends to. This is a good series that will help them to understand who God really, truly is. There are so many people out there that have a real misconception of who God is. This will help them a lot. And it will also help them to understand what it really means to have faith. Hebrews 12, verse 1, we'll get to that at some point. But he calls these ancients the great cloud of witness. Have you read this verse? The great cloud of witness. And he says, you know, this, because of this great cloud of witness, you should keep running the race. These ancients. The rest of chapter 11 that we're going to be reading together for the next few months actually names several of these champions of faith that echo their faith journey throughout history in our lives. Actually, the verse starts, now faith. And whenever you see the word now faith, it almost kind of invites the fact that maybe something was said before, which is chapter 10. And let me read you the part of the ending of chapter 10, which describes also some of the journey of these ancients. And here's what it says. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew, and I wish I could translate that word new because it's so much bigger than we understand it. It's like behind the shadow of a doubt, you were crystal clear in this, that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your what? Confidence and will be richly rewarded. And then chapter 11 is what? Now faith is confidence. I love that. This is the kind of faith life that Hebrews 11 is referring to. A faith that while considering the cost of following God does not get discouraged. A faith that while considering the cost of following God hopes joyfully. It does what love demands no matter what. 
Because it has confidence. It has assurance. And this was the faith journey of the ancients. We don't need an old faith. We need an ancient faith. It's got to be even older than old. We ought to write a song called, Give Me That Ancient Time Religion. So I ask myself the question, do I have faith? How do I know I have faith? And what is faith? It seems a little ethereal to say it's confidence and assurance. How can I know I have it? Why is it even important? There's a verse a little later in verse 6, and it says this, and I think this is why it's important. It says, and without faith, what? It is maybe possible Maybe you can get away with it. Without faith, what? It is impossible to please God. Because, why? Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Do you believe that? So that makes sense to me, doesn't it? It seems to me that what pleases God, what brings joy to him is not works of faith, but rather faith that works. Not just merely coming to him, but being willing to enter this faith life, this journey. I don't think God is impressed by cleverness. I don't think God is impressed by money. Fame does not impress him. Talent does not impress him. Even if you know your Bible inside out, I don't think that impresses God. It doesn't please him. I had a friend of mine, I, I remember, well, I'll call him a friend, but, you know, he was an acquaintance. He, you know what I mean, right? Somebody we, we, I knew. And he knew his Bible inside out. I mean, he read his Bible every day. It was amazing. I'll never forget having this discussion with him at a potluck once. He said, you know, did you know that Psalm 118, verse 8, is the middle verse of the Bible? Huh. Never knew that. Did, did you know that Ezra contains all the letters of the alphabet except for the letter J? Wow, that's interesting. Did you know that Esther chapter 8 verse 9 is the longest verse in the Bible? Wonderful. And he had all this kind of stuff coming out, you know. One of the things I realized about him, though, is that he knew the Bible, but he struggled to know the author. Now, I'm not against knowing your Bible well. Don't misunderstand me. But it's not what the Bible says pleases him. The Bible says what pleases him, what brings him joy is what? Faith. And that's why this series is entitled By Faith. Our first task, then, is to define faith, to understand what the author of the book of Hebrews means by the word faith. Because 
Because we've heard this word, we've, many of us have grown up with this word, and we think we know what it means. Maybe it means belief, maybe it means trust, maybe it means other things. In fact, actually, as you read Hebrews 11, you begin to realize more and more that, that faith has kind of got this courage, radical courage feeling to it. You know what I'm saying? It's got like, like man, these people lived by faith meant they lived by courage. It was, it was wild. There was a boldness to it. And so... Um, so let's talk about the two things that it says. It says faith is what? The confidence in what we hope for. And then it says faith is the assurance of what we do not see. Assurance or conviction or evidence of things not seen. Let's get that one first. We'll come back to the hope one afterwards. Is that okay with you? Yes? Okay. <laughs> Just make sure it wasn't me sleeping. It says, now faith is the confidence or, con or, or the assurance, rather, uh, or the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. In other words, uh, there's another verse, Paul says, and another verse says, faith is, we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, a lot of people think that what this is saying is that we should have a blind faith. That we should just trust and believe and have courage, even though we don't understand it and we don't see it. That's not what God is saying here. Because if you read it within context, he continues. He says these words in, chapter, in verse 3. He says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. This is how we see this, by faith, right? So that what is seen, catch this, don't miss this, this is so big, was not made out of what was what? Visible. This is huge. It seems like such a simple text, and we have read it so many times. Some of you have even sung songs about it, probably, I don't know, but I can tell you this, that we are often missing the mark of what this verse is saying. First of all, let's, let's just kind of change the word faith for the word evidence for a second. Can we do that? So basically what it's saying is, by evidence, because faith is the evidence, right? F by evidence, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Does that make sense now? See, it's not blind faith, is it? Because faith is the evidence. Isn't that right? So it says here, by faith we understand, or by evidence we understand, that the universe was formed by God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. What do we see in the universe? There's another verse in Romans where it says that, that God's attributes are understood, his invisible attributes are understood by the things that are visible. You ever read that one? These are amazing texts because it says that faith is the ability to recognize the fingerprints of God on the things that he has made. You could walk by a, a butterfly and say, oh, what a nice butterfly. Or you could walk by a butterfly and say, unbelievable. Faith is the order, the beauty, the greatness. Faith is the bee that flies, defying the laws of aerodynamics. It's a fat little bee. 
All the laws of aerodynamics says there's no way on earth this thing should be flying. It's like me trying to fly. There's no way on earth this should happen. And yet what? It flies. I have hope. I have evidence that one day I'm going to fly. I may have a hard time running these days. I may have a hard time even walking sometimes these days. I have some bad knees. But I know one day I have evidence that one day I could fly. Faith is, is the ability to see the human eye that is capable of absorbing and, inst and instantly processing more than 10 million pieces of information per second. And recognizing that is the fingerprint of God. It's the irreducible complexity, as Michael Bay says in Darwin's Black Box. The irreducible complexity. These are the evidence that God made the world. Evidence by evidence we understand that the universe was formed by God's command. That God's command so that what is seen was not made. But what is visible. It was a time we were living in... Uh, Pennsylvania, Dutch country. We had some friends uh, from New Zealand that lived in Lancaster, PA at the time. And Lancaster, PA was this beautiful countryside. I don't know if you've ever been to Lancaster, PA. It's a wonderful place, gorgeous. And, and there were a, a lot of Mennonites, uh, and they were in horse and buggy, you know. And we were driving around, we got, somehow we all fit in, I think it was Peter's van there, and little four-year-old Lukey, you know, in his little New Zealand accent, which I'm not going to try to mimic because I'm so bad at that. Dad, why do they use horses instead of cars? He's looking at them, he's going, what's wrong with these people? Why do they use horses instead of cars? And, and without missing a beat, my daughter, who was just a little bit older, says, Lukey, they don't believe in cars. <laughs> and after a few moments, you could just tell Lukey's brain was, but, but can't they see the cars like we do? <laughs> How can they not believe in cars? They, can they see them? You know, what's the matter with them, you know? And he says, so that what is seen, this is an important point of all this, was not made out of what was visible. See, too often we think that it's saying that what is seen was not made out of, that what, what is seen was made out of nothing. We believe that somehow there was nothing and then God, boom, made it happen. That's not what the Bible says. Have you, have you noticed this? It says that, it doesn't say there was nothing, it says there was what? It was not visible. That's, there's a difference there. Can you follow me with this? What was not visible was the awesome mind of God who saw it and then spoke it before it became. The Bible says, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, about Jeremiah, and I believe about each and every one of us, that before, he says these words. This is God speaking. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you 
Before you were born, I set you apart. We sang about that just a few minutes ago. I don't know if you were following the words. Before, I knew, before you were in the womb, I knew you. We were an idea in the mind of God before we were a fetus in the womb of our mother. Which... Uh, Certainly brings in some interesting ramifications about abortion, which I'm not going to get into right now. You know, we think that life begins at conception. I don't know. I think life begins in the mind of God. I think, I think sometimes we have to be careful about what we say, even as Christians. We're not realizing what we're saying. Because I believe that what was... What is visible was made out of what was invisible. And what was invisible was the wonderful, amazing, creative mind of God. Psalm 139 says, you saw me before I was born. So faith is the conviction. Faith that pleases God is faith that recognizes the ability to dream it before creating it. And if we were made in the image of God then we also have that ability. Does that make sense? How many of you have, 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 have dreamt something and then made it happen? It didn't happen, right? But it was first an idea in your mind before it became something out there. Isn't that true? All of you right now are, are thinking about things that are going to happen in the future, things that you hope are going to happen, things that you're working towards, but they're just an idea. They're invisible. They're not out there yet. You know, if I was going to get a house built... I remember doing this with my dad, who was an electrician. We would go to, to a big field, and, and the uh, architect would take us to this field and, 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 and then start saying, oh, this is where the kitchen is. I'd be like, this, there's no kitchen here. You know, and then next to the kitchen, we're going to try to make it so that on this side is the bathroom. You know, and I'm like trying to figure this out, and here's the living room. And he, was, he had it all in his mind, it all there. And then uh, six months later, boom. It's all there. It was invisible, but he was able to see it before it was visible. Are you following what I'm saying here? So faith is being able to see that before it happens. Faith is that conviction that you and I were an idea in the mind of God before our fetus in our mother's room, which means that our life has a purpose, a meaning, significance beyond what we can imagine. And then it says, the second thing is, that faith is the confidence in what we hope for. The assurance in what we hope for. See, I... I, I I got to be honest with you, I, I, think, I think we struggle with this. I think most of us have more hope in what we have than what we hope for. That's why people will stay in jobs that they hate and hope that they could be in a better job, but they never quit their job because they have more faith in the job that they have than the one that they hope for. Are, are you following me? I've seen people in relationships that way. And we will do anything 
to, to, to stick with what we have rather than what we hope for. But the Bible says that faith is, is believing in what we hope for, having confidence in what we hope for. Are you sure what you hope for? I mean, you come to church Sabbath after Sabbath after Sabbath, weekend after weekend after weekend. We come to all kinds of events. We come to all kinds of things. We have a wonderful community, a wonderful, beautiful opportunity. But of course, the hope is what? That one day, Jesus is coming. Our hope, the great hope, is that one day we all get to go home together. That's our hope, isn't it? In the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of this, some of this assurance of, of hope. Noah, who was told 120 years before, hey, rain's coming. I want you to build this thing. He does it. We're going to read of, of the bravery that Rahab had, the adventurous spirit of Abraham, the humility of Moses, the tenacity of Joseph, the fortitude of Job, the heroism of Esther, the unwavering faithfulness of Daniel, giant-defying David, the perseverance of New Testament believers whose mission could not be filled, character could not be soiled, and bodies could not be boiled. Why? Because they had a hope. And they had confidence in that hope. How confident are you in the hope? I, I, I will admit they had an advantage. And that advantage was that they saw Jesus, many of them, resurrected. But it gave them such conviction that even when he was gone for decades, they had this hope he was coming back. I go away, he says to them. But if I go, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will what? I will return. Then at the end of Hebrews 11, there says something about all these champions of faith, all these men and women who, who had great confidence, great assurance, who had absolute evidence of God's glorious being and, and all that he was and it says this at the end this is so powerful i actually shared this with a pastor last this past week who's been a pastor for a long long time and he says i have never I, i've read this quote a hundred times i've never seen this listen to what it says these this 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 this, this uh, chapter in hebrews of all these great champions of faith says these were all commended for their what faith, their assurance, their confidence, their, their evidence, all, all of them. Yet none of them, what? Received what had been promised. Not yet. Are you following the logic here? This is huge. It says, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us, them, us, we would all be made perfect. We will all realize the absolute, total understanding of what it means to be in Christ. We will do that together. That's the hope. And we get to, we get to be part of that hope. We get to do that together. I, I don't know about you, man, but I, that, just, that just blows my mind. 
Now faith. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for. An assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And the author of Hebrews, in the chapter before that we almost finished, but I didn't do it on purpose, I'm going to read it right now, says these words, you need to what? Persevere. I believe he's talking to each and every one of us today. Some of us are tired. I'm not going to lie to you, I'm really tired right now. But I'm compelled. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't help it. We need to persevere so that when we have done the will of God, we will receive what he has what? Promised. For how long? In just a little while. Some of you have been waiting a long, long time. Time, I get it. I cannot even imagine Noah on the 119th year. (laughs) And yet, in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Do you believe that? Do you have that hope? Do you have that confidence, that hope? I want to finish with this story. I heard about it on the news, and it was so, so, so cool. And some of you might have read, heard the story. It's, it's amazing. It's about a dog named Zeus. I'll read you what the article says, and then uh, there's a little video I want to show you. It says, a Montana dog who was stolen from his owner in October, this, this, this past year, was recently found more than 2,000 miles away in West Virginia. With the help of a group of volunteers, Zeus was reunited with his family. Zeus was a nine-year-old pit bull who was taken from his home after his owner, Cassandra, allowed a family friend to stay with them and come home to a house without Zeus. It seems Cassandra, who is a single mom, allowed this family friend to come and stay with her for a bit, and then the friend basically robbed her blind, stole her wallet, a number of other things, and while she was at work, including her dog, Zeus. Losing the dog took a huge toll not only on her, but on her two daughters, who loved Zeus. They, they, all they knew was life with Zeus. And the mother said all they wanted for Christmas this year was to have Zeus back in their arms. Months later, the person who took the pooch was arrested in West Virginia and had Zeus with him. He was brought to the Kanawha Charleston Humane Association where they discovered Zeus was, had a microchip See, honey, it's good that we got that microchip in Lucy. (laughs) 
and it was still working. The shelter planned to send Zeus home to Montana, but thought he was too big. Contacted many what they call pause volunteers, and they to transport to get Zeus home. And so basically, Zeus went from home. I mean, from, from home to home to home, from car to car, people just kept taking him. Okay, I'll take him to this state, and then from that state, I'll take him to this state, and they just went through this. Ultimately, more than a dozen volunteers helped drive thousands of miles from, to Northwest America to get They took the trip in, and was that. But can you imagine? Yeah, hold on, don't clap yet. Can you imagine those little girls? Will Zeus ever return? Will we ever see Zeus again? I can imagine them if there were anything like Brianna was when she was little, them praying every single night. Please watch over Zeus, God. Please take care of Zeus, God. Please bring him home. How? Some way. And God used a dozen benevolent people to bring Zeus home. And here's the moment when he finally gets home. Isn't that awesome? That means a lot more to me just because, you know, I, I have a dog that looks a lot like that. And if Lucy ever was separated from us, I could see that happening. We go away for just a couple of days and she goes crazy. So cool to know that she came home and recognized each and every one of them. It was so excited. It couldn't, there was another person and then another person. Awesome. I'm home. I'm home. I believe that's the way it's going to be when Christ returns, don't you? It's going to be such an awesome day. We have this hope. May we have confidence in this hope. May we live by faith like the men and women of faith that we're going to be studying about in the next few months. Join us on this journey in the next few days and months.